South Sudan in focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza, working on this program very much. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan and Sudan this Monday, July 18, 2022. The main signatory to the 2018 peace deal has rejected a roadmap for ending the transitional period in South Sudan. If there's any, uh, you know, initiative to expedite the implementation of the remaining articles and chapters of the to be developed by party, they need to see that. Uh, but if the SPLMRG want to come up with their own position and then uh, wait it for the other uh, signatories. And President Salva Kiir's spokesman reacts to the announcement by the Biden administration suspending funds for the implementation of South Sudan's 2018 peace agreement. My reaction is that uh, it is quite unfortunate for the American government to switch off the live machine for the revitalized peace agreement on the resolution of conflict in the country. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. Some parties to the revitalized peace agreement have distanced themselves from a roadmap presented to President Salva Kiir for guiding the country towards the end of the transitional period. The SPLMIO and the National Democratic Movement say they were not consulted, adding they will consider the roadmap a unilateral decision. The two groups are calling for a meeting to discuss how to end the transitional period. Wake Simon Wudu reports for VOA from Juba. Walker Bath Baluang, acting spokesperson in the office of First Vice President Riyaka Machar, says the SPLMIO did not participate in drafting a roadmap aimed at completing the remaining tasks in the peace agreement. Late last week, senior members of the unity government led by presidential advisor on security affairs, Tooth Galuak, presented President Kiir with a roadmap on how to move the country towards the end of the transitional period and pave the way for holding peaceful democratic elections. Baluang says the SPLMIO was never consulted on drafting the roadmap. If there's any, uh, you know, initiative to expedite the implementation of the remaining articles and chapters of the agreement to be developed by party, they need to pursue that. Uh, but if the SPLMRG want to come up with their own position and then uh, wait it for the other uh, signatories to the agreement to have an input so that we can have a comprehensive document, and then we'll be okay. But we didn't know the, the content of that uh, roadmap of the speech. Peter Lomude Francis, a member of the National Democratic Movement, which is part of the South Sudan Opposition Alliance, a coalition of political parties and empty groups that signed the peace agreement, says his party was not consulted either. President of course, it was the submission of one of the parties agreement, the IP Gono. So that report was presented by one, you know, one party in the agreement. So it does not, you know, represent the, you know, the opinion of all the parties agreement. A statement from Kir's office released on Friday did not provide details of the roadmap, but reveals that it contains provisions of the deal that have been implemented, those provisions whose implementation is ongoing and outstanding provisions. The statement said the document has yet to be presented to a meeting of the presidency this week. 
With less than eight months to go before the end of the transitional government, several provisions, including security arrangements, transitional justice, and formation of commissions remain unimplemented. Baluang says the pending task should be implemented as they are part of the peace deal. The agreement that must be implemented fully under parties must sit down and find a way on how to expedite the process of the implement, uh, implementation of the agreement in letter and spirit within the remaining uh, period. And if not, what is the way forward? Lomude says the intergovernmental authority on development need to do more to ensure the parties address the delays in implementing the deal. Baluang says any roadmap for getting to the end of the transitional period and fully implementing the peace agreement requires a collective decision by the parties. We believe the parties should sit down and discuss uh, on how uh, we implement the remaining chapters of the agreement. Frustration is growing among the international community as South Sudanese leaders drag their feet on implementing the deal. Last Friday, the United States announced it was ending support for the revitalized Joint Monitoring and Evaluation Commission, the body tasked with monitoring the implementation of the agreement, saying the country's leaders have not shown the required commitment from their side to effectively implement the deal. For VON News, Mwaki Simon Wudu in Juba. Still in Juba, President Salva Kiir's spokesperson says he is disappointed by U.S. decision to suspend support for the implementation of the 2018 peace deal. Ateng Wekateng says the parties to the agreement have made progress towards implementing the deal. The U.S. State Department issued a statement Friday suspending funds for the implementation of the 2018 peace deal and called on South Sudanese leaders to graduate the unified forces and chart the way forward for elections in 2023. My reaction is that uh, it is quite unfortunate for the American government to switch off the live machine for the revitalized peace agreement on the resolution of conflict in the country. As the America is a uh, super power, and at the same time the police of the world, I thought it was uh, within their mandate to support peace initiative in the country of South Sudan, so that people of South Sudan get the permanent peace. And already the implementation has gone to the level of uh, coming to uh, the full implementation of the agreement. But let me stop you, sir. I think the key phrase used by the State Department is that there's a lack of sustained progress. So tell me if you said that the implementation is, is in progress, what significant progress have you made after so many years? The progress that has been made, yes, although the, uh, you know, it, it is quite significant, although, you know, the implementations, you know, was running a bit late, particularly some chapters were running uh, late. The significant uh, progress has been made so far as the unified command has already been established and uh, the forces are almost being aggressive. This is a quite significant. In order for the United States to stop the funding for peace monitoring mechanism, at this crucial time, that means the American wanted peace not to move on from there and then. So it is imperative that the United States of America reconsider its positions on this issue and return the funding of the peace implementation mechanism. Otherwise, there is no other way that South Sudan can turn into. We know that peace agreement itself has been underfunded. It has been the government of South Sudan that was left alone by the partners to be the one implementing it. Yes, we have accepted implementing that. And we have done the best what we can do 
but the peace implementation mechanism requires funding from outside. But even, sir, the reconstituted Joint Monetary and Evaluation Commission said in its latest report that the transitional unit government made little progress. But for Americans to stop the funding at this crucial time uh, is quite disappointing. That's Atenue Kating, President Salva Kiir's spokesperson. He was speaking with my colleague, James Batty. Sudanese military authorities have deployed troops to Blue Nile State to de-escalate tensions between two communities in the area. The military spokesperson, Brigadier General Nabil Abdullah, says authorities in Sudan condemn the violence and are calling for calm. For VOA News, Michael Atit reports from Khartoum. The clashes erupted between members of the Hausa tribe on one side and the Hamaj and Burti tribes on the other in Jebel Hamad and Village 7 in Udanmahi locality on Friday following the deaths of the two people from the Hamaj tribe. It is not clear what triggered the violence. The United Nations International Organization for Migration, or IOM, said in a statement released Sunday its field team reported the clashes continue Saturday and Sunday in the villages of Hayal Janubi, Hayal Luta, and Ganiz in Gesan in a Rosaris locality. The IOM says in addition to the deaths and injuries, at least 16 shops were burned down. It says a large number of families were displaced to Aruseris and Adamazin towns and to Sinja in the neighboring Sinari state. Speaking to South Sudan in focus via phone from Adamazin Hospital, Ali Haju, the Secretary General for the Blue Nile Civil Society Forum, says 60 bodies were brought to the hospital, but the death toll is likely to increase. We have not managed to verify the death toll or injuries up to this moment because the situation is still tense all over the localities, including the capital at Damazin. Haju says dozens of families, including women, children, and elderly, have been displaced and are living out in the open. He says some are sheltering in crowded schools and other public buildings, but are in need in urgent humanitarian intervention. There is a huge influx and displacement of civilians from Marosaris due to continued fighting. There are unconfirmed reports of injuries among the civilians since yesterday. There are also reports of people who were killed and injured with machetes. Sudanese military authorities in Khartoum have deployed troops to the area to strengthen the security situation and to de-escalate tensions. Speaking shortly after an emergency meeting of the Sudanese Defense and Security officials in Khartoum last night, military spokesperson Brigadier General Nabil Abdullah said officials condemned the violence in the Blue Nile and are calling for calm among all communities in the area. The committee instructed the Attorney General to immediately form an investigative committee to look into the causes of the violence in Blue Nile. The authorities in the Blue Nile province should maintain the security and help in identifying the individuals behind the violence. Repeated calls to the office of the SPLM North leader Malik Agar for comment on this story went unanswered. The Blue Nile province, which borders Ethiopia, is one of the strongholds of the SPLM North faction loyal to Malik Agar, who now serves as a member of the Sovereign Council in Khartoum in accordance with the October 2020 Juba Peace Agreement. For VOA News, I am Michael Atit in Khartoum.
listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, health officials at Wao Teaching Hospital say they will increase consultation fees. Find out why after the break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today... What is the best way to introduce change? You have to educate. Education is the key factor to change. Without education, people will resist. You have to educate the person. You have to educate people on the situation on ground, the implication of that situation. And if the change is to come in, what impact is that change going to create? So the best way to introduce change is to understand the change. And you try to educate the people on what change is all about. I think just go right ahead and do it because there are always people who don't really like change and there are also always people who like change and they're conducive to change. And so I think there's always going to be that one person who's like, no, I don't like this, it's different. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. The World Health Organization and Africa Center for Disease Control say we all can help fight the global pandemic by frequently washing our hands with soap and water or using hand sanitizers. For more information on protecting yourself and others, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa Center for Disease Control. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest on COVID-19. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. South Sudan in focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on The Voice of America. Managers at Wow Teaching Hospital in Western Bahar al-Ghazal State say the facility will increase fees for medical treatment. The hospital's administrator says the move comes after some non-profit groups say they would no longer support the facility due to lack of funds. Deng Deng has details for VOA from board. Director General of the Wow Teaching Hospital, Dr. Thon Mangok, says the facility will continue charging patients for consultations. The hospital should not be closed. At least the fees must be, cost sharing must be there for sustaining a hospital. The partner were actually yeah, participating or they were helping in a lot of the things, including the fuel for generator, incentive for the incentive for the health workers from A to Z. They were giving some incentive. Of course, the incentive does not guarantee that a certain specific amount. But any incentive they were giving, it was good for sustaining the hospital, containing the human resources. Except that if the government is committed and it may know that it is their own hospital, well, that's how we rescue the situation. Otherwise, the situation is going to be too bad for the whole region. And you know the region in Barakazali general. We are holding more than six, 
four four states plus administrator, which is a BIA, and that part of Bantu, and other part of northern western Equatoria. Dr. Mangok says payments will be made at the entrance for registration, doctor consultations, laboratory tests, and maternity service fees. He says fees will range from 100 to 25,000 South Sudanese pounds. He says the money will be used to pay incentives for health workers as well as to cover electricity and water bills. I propose, first of all, the consultation. They assume that will be 500. And then they will have the mandate interim can be 100. Others, consultation, which are seriously enough, like dentists and all, can be 1,000. Plus, the minor and minor, minor operation can be 10 or 15. And then major one between 25 to 20, and et cetera. Then I know it is against the, 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 the constitution that nobody, the, the treatment must be free, but it's better than to close the hospital. Dr. Nixon Anthony, medical director at the Wow Teaching Hospital, says health workers, especially doctors, will be left with no option but to quit unless the government pays them. Health fund is pulling out from the hospital by the end of this month. And as you know, we are in South Sudan and uh, there is nothing coming from up or something like that. Even the salary, it comes. Uh, can you imagine, I'm a doctor and my salary is 15000 only. I don't get this, <laughs> this, this thing. And it comes after, it come after even three months. Now we receive the salary of uh, March and April. Remaining uh, May and June and July. Okay, so uh, that's why we said we are going to charge. Some local residents say the decision to charge patients will be hard on most people because of the deteriorating economic situation in the country. Wow Town resident Stephen Robo says the charge will especially affect women and children. Many people are going to lose their life, especially pregnant women and the children, meaning the, the death rate in hospital will be high because everything will be based on the the cash payment. If you have cash, then you get the service. If you don't have, you not uh, get the service. And so that is very unfortunate and it's very alarming that they need a quick intervention from the national government. Robo says many residents can afford the cost to travel to the hospital from rural areas, let alone pay for treatment. Western Bahar al-Ghazali State Health Minister Bixen Taban says the ministry is trying to solicit funds to support the hospital and keep the only referral hospital in the Bahar al-Ghazali region operational. He says the national government is supposed to allocate funds for facilities like Wow Teaching Hospital. All the states uh, across the country, uh, from the revenue collections and revenue generation, uh, in each and every state, uh, 5% is supposed to be allocated for health. And this is what we have been uh, advocating for. Should that one materialize, then definitely the state minister of health will have uh, resources financially that can, uh, can help us back up whatever funding and support and donations that come from the national uh, minister of health. Wow residents say it is the responsibility of the government to offer free medical services to citizens. They say revenue collected in the state should go directly to the hospital to keep it running. For VOA News, I am Deng Gaiden in Bor.
from board will move to Kenya, where Kenya has rekindled its relationship with Somalia following successful bilateral talks in Nairobi. President Uhuru Kenyatta and his Somali counterpart, Hassan Sheikh Mahmoud, have agreed to work together as flights between the two states that have not been operational for almost two years resume. For VOA News, Morino Jambo reports. The two-day visit by Somalia's President Hassan Sheikh Mahmoud has ended on a positive note after the two heads of state agreed to tackle several issues between Kenya and Somalia. During his first term as the President of Somalia, Mahmoud sued Kenya at the International Court of Justice in 2014, where the two states wrangled over a piece of land in the Indian Ocean that is said to be rich in oil and other natural resources. That case was determined last year in favor of Somalia. However, Kenya said it will not obey the verdict. Speaking in Nairobi, President Uhuru Kenyatta said that Kenya will have to cooperate with Somalia to ensure the two states trade peacefully. That the people of Kenya and Somalia are tied at the hip. We are one people, one region, facing common challenges. And the only solution to those challenges is us working together. We have agreed on security cooperation. We have agreed that we are both facing the challenge of a fourth consecutive year of drought. And again, the need for us to work together to ensure that we are able to assist those most affected by this drought. Kenya will have its airline, Kenya Airways, fly directly to Mogadishu as well as resuming its month million shilling mirror or cut trade, which President Mohamud had banned in his first term. Kenyatta says frequent dialogues will be held to solve the issues that the two states are facing. We did agree in the spirit of cooperation that we shall be having regular interactions between officials of our two countries and that dialogue, discussion, negotiation is undoubtedly the surest way of ensuring that we are able to move forward peacefully and resolving uh, issues. Mohamud's return to power has seen relations between two countries improve and diplomatic channels reactivated. President Mohamud says Somalia would remain an open market for Kenya and that Somalia will ensure peace with its neighbors. My government is committed to repair relations between the two countries. The common challenges we have is not limited to terrorism, but there are so many other challenges we need to make sure that we address in a proper manner. Somalia has many challenges, and I'm glad to hear His Excellency's commitment that Kenya will further increase the level of cooperation, the level of support given to Somalia. Kenya and Somalia have long had strained relationships even during the first tenure of President Mohamud that accelerated into the last regime of President Mohamed Farmajo. It is yet to be established if the measures put in place to restore the diplomatic ties will bear fruit. Reporting for viewers, I am Moreno Jambo in Nairobi, Kenya. Authorities in Zambia have extradited a Chinese citizen who fled Malawi last month over accusations of selling exploitative videos of China to Malawian children. Lamek Masina reports from Blantyre. Police in Malawi told VOA Sunday that their counterparts in Zambia handed over low key to them Saturday night in the Nchinji district which borders Zambia. Harry Namaz is the deputy spokesperson for Malawi Police Service. He's in police custody. He, he was handed over by our friends from Zambia. 
Uh, so now he has been charged with trafficking in pesos, but the other charges may be added. Loki fled Malawi last month, where police were searching for him after a British broadcasting corporation investigation found he was recording young villagers in central Malawi and making them say racist things about themselves in Mandarin. In one video, children as young as nine years of age are heard saying in Mandarin that they are a black monster and they have a low IQ. The BBC reported he was selling the videos at about 70 US dollars apiece to a Chinese website. The kids performing in the videos were paid about half a dollar each. The news sparked outrage in Malawi, forcing various rights organizations to hold street protests and present a petition to the Chinese embassy in the capital, Ilongwe. Comfort Mankwazi is the president of the University of Malawi Child Rights Legal Clinic, which led the protests. She told VOA Sunday that she's happy with the extradition. Because we feel like this is just one of those things that we had in our petition, what we wanted, and we've got that. We truly hope that um, this extradition and this arrest will lead to something big such as his prosecution in our courts and that finally those victims um, will be able to get the justice that they deserve. There were no official comments from Chinese authorities on the extradition of Lu Qi as of Sunday. However, police spokesperson Namazam said Lu Qi is expected to appear in court soon. Lamik Masina for VOA News, Blanta, Malawi. This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. Hello, I'm VOA health correspondent Lenore Mudu. The World Health Organization and Africa Centers for Disease Control say we all can help fight the coronavirus pandemic by wearing face masks that cover our mouths and noses when we are in crowded areas. For more information, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest news on COVID-19. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. South Sudan in focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. That's all we have for you this Monday. We now leave you with JKP and the song My Motherland.
to JKP and the song My Motherland. I'm John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us this evening. Remember to join us again tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Why are we fighting here?